Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen, back in the home office. NFL protocols got a little intense. They kicked us out of the bed MGM studio, essentially. And now we're back at home, just like Mark G.A. Listen, we're dealing with the pandemic. The world continues to confront an invisible enemy. I'm hearing that we're getting good news on the vaccine front. And that can't come soon enough. And this goes down the list of importance. But, man, I really do not <laughs> enjoy working from home. We have a beautiful new studio at One Jets Drive. We were fortunate, blessed to be there at the Bet MGM studio for months. But unfortunately, we are back home working remotely. And, uh, you know, uh, bottom line, this is insignificant compared to what everybody else has dealt with. But uh, I prefer to be at the complex. Like, I bet you a lot of people would. I definitely am one of those people. And <laughs> if you have a Ferrari in the garage, like the Bet MGM studio, might as well drive it. But alas... We're just here at home going about our business. That doesn't mean the coverage stops. We got Bryce Hall on the podcast. Bart Scott joins us for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game segment. Have you ever driven a Ferrari? No. Have you? No. 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 I, I mean, it sounds like it sounds nice. I've never I driven drive a Ferrari. Never driven a Corvette either. That makes two of us. All right. But, so, yeah, I've, I've never driven a Lamborghini if we're going down the list. or Well, board. the aforementioned Bart Scott's got a car collection, so I wonder uh, if we'll yeah. let us take one of his mobiles out for a spin one day. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, that sounds like a good pandemic activity. We'll all mask up, get in the car. He can show us a collection. Anyway, we got Bart on. We got Bryce Hall on. Bryce Hall's real interesting story. He's I, we talk about this with him, but he's kind of like on that bless Austin track where you sit out the first half of the year, you get thrown in the fire, you become a fan favorite pretty much early on. And I think that fans really like the way that Bryce Hall has been competing over the past three weeks. If you're a fan, this has been a super frustrating season. You're entering December now and the Jets don't have a win. With that being said, you got to be encouraged by what you're seeing out of Joe Douglas's first draft class. Mackay Becton, one of the finest rookies uh, out there right now at the left tackle position. It looks like he will be a pillar up front for years to come. Denzel Mims uh, continues to thrive uh, at five consecutive games. He's only played five games, 40 plus yards receiving. He does something every game now where you're like, wow, this guy, he really could be something in the National Football League. Ashton Davis um, starting the last few games alongside Marcus May, of course. And the list goes on. And then we go to the fifth round. You get Bryce Hall, obviously a tough start to his career, suffered a serious ankle injury at Virginia. People are talking about him maybe potentially as a first round, second round pick. Instead, he lasts to the fifth round. He's not available for the Jets to play until mm -hmm. halfway through this season. Now he's three games into his NFL career. He's already started twice. And I mean, you really talk about being thrown into the fire. He gets activated hours before playing against the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football in your NFL debut. And he's started ever since. I think what I really like about Bryce Hall is he's got height, he's got length. And he was one of those guys where, you know, you hear about a lot of players like Bryce Hall in the draft where they slide because they're hurt. And then you never really hear a whole lot about them 
after that, well, Bryce Hall, that's not the case. I would say for he's played well for a rookie in his second and third games in the NFL. He's obviously had a very tough challenge against Keenan Allen and Mike Williams in his first start. And then Devontae Parker is a very good receiver too, and an extremely physical, tall receiver. And Bryce Hall, the rest of the year, I think you just want to see him keep improving. And Phil Savage said this once when the Jets drafted him, that the organization was betting on the future with Bryce Hall. And I think you're starting to see why. He found a ball that last year he played at Virginia last full year at UVA. He led the NCAA in pass defenses, big guy, physical, long. You can tell he loves ball. He's not intimidated by the moment right now. Yes. These guys are definitely uh, have been put in the fire in the secondary. You're talking about, there were a couple of plays out there against the Dolphins where Ryan Fitzpatrick was been playing on NFL for 175 years. He's lining up and he's looking at a secondary that has Bryce Hall starting, has Lamar Jackson on drafted free agent out of Nebraska. Javelin Guidry got in there for a few snaps at the cornerback position, the A-formation Ashton Davis. So these guys are all learning and sometimes they're going to have rough moments along the way, but Hall is a kid who's got a great attitude. Um, and again, a lot of quarterbacks have very good physical attributes, but they can't find the football. He showed in college that he can find it. So uh, let's see where his path takes him. But uh, definitely the moment hasn't been too big for him. I thought the secondary played better against the Dolphins than they did against the Chargers. And they got another test this week against the Las Vegas Raiders because the Raiders got smoked against Atlanta and they're going to come in here as a desperate bunch. Derek Carr, sometimes he looks like an elite quarterback, quarterback and sometimes he struggles, but they do have some weapons and uh, Hall is going to be better for all these experiences to come. All right. Well, enough talking about him. Let's hear from Bryce Hall. Bryce, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So the first things first, I got to get this out of the way. You're an ACC guy. I'm an ACC guy. I'm a Syracuse alum. So Syracuse and Virginia don't really like each other, at least on the hardwood. But football, I mean, we, we don't really play football up there. So did you ever play Syracuse? No, I, I never played uh, Syracuse. And what is what is the rep of Syracuse basketball on Virginia campus? Oh, we're every time we see him on the court, we got to win that one. That's a <laughs> well, Bryce, uh, I went to graduate school at the University of Florida. Your last collegiate game came yeah. was against the Gators in the Orange Bowl, and LaMichael Pirine had a big game. Have you guys had an opportunity to discuss that? You're both both of your guys' last collegiate game against each other. Yeah, we um so unfortunately, you know, I was injured uh, during that game so I didn't get to play. So, but um I've definitely talked to LaMichael and Jabari also. He played. Mm -hmm. Um but I talked to them, you know, multiple times about that game and just us playing against us. You know, it's funny because like those Florida dudes, they just they got so much pride and they feel like, you know, we weren't even supposed to be with them in that game. It's so always, <laughs> you know, I'll talk trash to them and tell them like, how are you going to let us you know, we should have beat y'all, actually. You know, you let us hang around. 
So uh, it, it's funny when I talk to him about Well, that. the reason I bring that up, though, is because I think it speaks to what you guys built at the University of Virginia. And you talked about it the other day that when you were a freshman, you were two and ten. <laughs> and obviously you got hurt your senior season, so you weren't able to play in that ball game. But you guys went from two and ten to an Orange Bowl appearance. If somebody asked you, why you guys were able to build it up. What were the most significant reasons? Well, you know, first off, we had a, a coach that, you know, our head coach, he, you know, Bronco Mendenhall, he was an exceptional, exceptional leader. And one of the things that he instilled in us was he always, first off, he always talked about will before skill. So it wasn't about talent. It wasn't about, you know, the ability. It was about if we wanted it bad enough. And so he instilled in us just a belief and a vision that it wasn't a matter of, you know, if we would turn things around, it was a matter of when and with whom. And so the choice was up to us, really. And so he just really instilled that just belief in us that we could really, you know, be successful. And on top of that, we worked like crazy, you know, in the off season and during the season, you know, and um, our work ethic matched what we were trying to accomplish. And I think, you know, with that, that really helped us turn things around at Virginia. Bryce, what do you like to do in your free time? <laughs> in a non-COVID world and then this season as well? Uh, I mean, you know, with my free time, I, you know, I just like to spend time with my wife. You know, we hang out, you know, relax, you know, watch some, you know, movies every once in a while. And, you know, I like to read, you know, something that keeps me emotionally stable. You know, I like to, you know, memorize and read scripture and stuff like that. That's kind of off the field and away from football. I like to, you know, get away and then close into, you know, I stay, you know, me and my wife, we hang out, we relax. You know, I don't really do too much, you know, especially during the season. Um, and, you know, stuff like that just helps me stay locked in and, and at the same time stay emotionally grounded and, I'm in the right uh, right state of mind. How long have you been married now, and where did you meet your wife? Because a lot of guys, your fifth-round pick out of UVA, a lot of guys your age at this point in their careers, they're still single. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, honestly, I, so I met my wife, obviously, at the University of Virginia. She, was, she played field hockey there, mm -hmm. and, you know, we were – acquaintances we weren't really like close close until like we actually went on a, a mission trip going into my uh senior at the year going into my senior year and there we really got really close and you know after that you know it was just a friendship and then you know after you know that friendship it was kind of flowed into the relationship you know when i broke my ankle you know um, my senior year, that's when I had really had time to get away from football. You know, I was, you know, before the season, I was go, go, go focus. And then, you know, she was helping me out a lot. And um, we really got closer during that time. And so from that friendship, it flowed into a relationship. And not too long, like, not even we were dating for about like six months. And then we ended up getting married. You know, things were moved really quickly. Um, but I just think, you know, we knew, you know, um, pretty early like I knew like she was the one you know that I really wanted to be with and so um, things kind of moved really quickly I, I mean I never expected to be married this early or this young 
but it just kind of worked out like that. And, you know, I'm happy it did because it was the best decision I ever made. Awesome. That, that's awesome, Bryce. You know, you told me on the 40 yard stroll that your dad and your wife are the two cooks in your family. You're just a yeah. taste tester. So what <laughs> is your wife's best dish that you like? Wow. She makes, you know, she impressed me this um, Thanksgiving. It was our first Thanksgiving. <laughs> she made some really good food. I mean, with the, the sweet potatoes, the macaroni, mm. the green bean casserole. Like that might have just notched some of the things she's done in the past. Um, so it's hard to say. But yeah, Thanksgiving meal is good. She also does make this really, really, really good like pumpkin salad. It's kind of like a New Zealand dish where it's like, you know, pumpkins and it's like healthy like with rice and chicken and all this other stuff. So, Whoa. yeah. How yeah, competitive are you two with each other? She played field hockey. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. now you are a pro football player. You guys don't get to these points in your lives without having great drive. So I got to yeah. imagine sometimes there are certain things that you're competing against each other. Well, she's honestly more competitive, I think, like <laughs> than me uh, in a lot of things. Like, and uh, an example of this, we like played golf together, like before in the this past summer, and she was like, like our personalities just came out. I was like more the, because this is the first time we both like really played golf, and so she's like, just get the ball on the tee, hit it, let's go. And I'm like <laughs> trying to analyze what's the swing <laughs> technique, what uh like I need to do to have the most successful hit. And then she was just talking trash the whole time, just like, you're going to like, you know, like literally just trying to show me up on the golf course. And I had to like, like refrain myself from like getting caught up in the mess because <laughs> she is very like she's she loves to like talk and chat. And so she was very vocal on the golf course, like and um, but she's very competitive. And, you know, a lot she kind of has a little chip on her shoulder since he knows I'm a. You know, I do this for a living. She likes to jab at me to let her know she still got it in, him, in her. So, yeah, I'll say that. All right. Well, so what I gather from that is, one, that you're new to golf, and two, is that you're not a huge trash talker, or is that just trash talking on the golf course? Like, do you talk at all on the field? Yeah, you know, it's funny because my form of trash talk is different from a lot of people's. You know, like, you'll get a lot of people that yell and, you know, they'll let you know. I'm more of the type that I'll have a conversation with you and it'll be more like, you know, directive and like, I'm, I'm actually saying things rather than just yelling. And I think that gets under people's skin a little bit more because I'm not yelling, but I'm calm when I'm, when I'm speaking and it's like, it throws people off. So, you know, that's kind of how I go about doing that. But for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty locked in on what I need to do and, you know, it'll come out if I get, you know, provoked a little bit, but that's kind of my angle. And I found like a little bit in college that I've had more success with that than, than yelling. So that's kind of how I do it. Locked in, but have you always been blessed with patience considering what you've been through over the last 18 months, you go down against Miami, you decided to come back. A lot of people said, Hey, Bryce Hall, if he came yeah. out, would have been a first, second round pick. Instead, you go back, you go down with a serious injury. You got to rehab. 
your fifth round selection, and mm-hmm. then you don't get on the field for half of your first professional season, and now you're yeah. three games into your NFL career. Yeah. You know, it's not something I always had. It's something I had to, like, really grow into. And I think through, you know, the things that I've been through, it's made me a very patient person. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I really felt led on my heart. You know, I felt like, you know, because I had I, I didn't just make the decision off a whim. Like, you know, I talked to people. I had prayed about it. I, you know, really, like, sought wisdom and what I was doing and I really felt on my heart you know the Lord and people was like you know was saying you know it's time to come like you should come back like there's more and I don't regret my decision at all you know had I not come back I you know I never would have met my wife I never would have you know I learned so many lessons through this all this stuff and just you know what I've gone through and just being able to um just learn so much and develop and challenge and push me as a leader and a person and so, you know, I don't believe that I made the wrong decision at all. And I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And, um, yeah, that's just kind of how things went. And I don't question, you know, um, how things ended up. And, you know, yeah, we, you know, we have our own ideas and plans of how we would like things to turn out. But it doesn't always happen. And, you know, sometimes we look back and we're like, oh, you know, I, now I get why I had to go through certain things. So. That's just my mindset and my opinion on it. Bryce, do you talk to or have you in the past talked with Bless Austin at all about his path? Because when I look at his path, he was someone that was coming off an injury when he got drafted, six-round pick with talent, spends the first half of the year uh, getting healthy, and then similar to you, after the bye week, he starts to play and he gets thrown into the fire early, very much like yourself. So I was wondering if you two have had any discussions about that in particular. Yeah, definitely. Um, he has been somebody who's been really like helpful for me in this process because he literally went through the same thing. And so he's been, you know, super helpful with just giving me tips and pointers and just helping me be prepared for um, what to expect and what to, you know, um, do to put myself in, in in the best position possible um, to be ready, you know. And so I have gone to him. He's been, you know, a good teammate and he's been helpful on this journey. That's one of the best public institutions in the United States, the University of Virginia. So tell us what you studied in Charlottesville and why you decided to go in that direction. So I majored in uh, it's actually this actually is a new major that um, about a, that came up or that um, was instituted a few years ago and it's called youth and social innovation. Mm-hmm. So it's basically in the school of education. So it's it's very very wide open as far as what you can do with it. But basically, it's just you know, in some form of capacity, you know, I'll be educating the youth and impacting them in a positive way through, you know, whether it's if I wanted to be a counselor, if I wanted to do, you know, after school program or, you know, whatever it may be, um, that's what I majored in. And um, I I loved it. You know, we got to do, you know, a lot of field work where I went in and worked with kids and stuff like that. And I thought it was awesome. So given what you just said and what you studied, 
if football weren't an option for you, or even let's just say down the road, like what do you hope to do given your education? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, a couple of people have like, you know, said, you know, you could go in and like do some type of like motivational speaking or do something like that um, where I'm just like helping to, you know, motivate people or if I'm helping to inspire young people or teach in some sort of some sort of way. So I have no idea, honestly, what I would be doing because that's, you know, there's just so many plethora of options that I could do. But I know I'll probably be, you know, teaching some young people something, whether if it's life skills, whether if it's, you know, football or um, I, that's just probably what I would see myself doing because I just like to do that naturally. You know, I feel like I got a lot of knowledge and experience and, you know, I could just help teach people what I learned. Back to the field as we flip back and forth here. Do you ever have a, you know, a moment where you got to pinch yourself and you're lining up against Devontae Parker, one of the NFL's top receivers, and you're being asked to play man coverage and you come over to the sideline and say, man, I'm here. This is it. <laughs> you know, I had that moment actually last week when I was going to give Keenan Allen and because um, that was a pretty awesome. And, you know, I had the moment when I stepped in, you know, like, you know, my first game when I played against the Patriots, that was pretty, pretty, really, that was really cool. You know, Cam Newton and just mm -hmm. the Patriots and everything that they're known for. Um, I kind of didn't really have time because, I was, you know, everything's happened so fast. I didn't even know, you know, I was thrown in. But I would say last week when I walked into that stadium, um, the Chargers stadium, it was probably, it was the most beautiful stadium I honestly have ever played in or seen with my own eyes, rather, let alone like just any visuals. And um, that was the moment where I was like, you know, wow, this is, you know, I'm here. And this is, I don't take this for granted. And I was just super grateful. And it was really, really cool because my teammate, Joe Reed, who I played in college, he's on the Chargers. And so I got to talk to him and share the moment with him. And I was like, you know, we're talking like, man, you know, we're just we're just so proud of each other for like, you know, we made it. We're, you know, living the dream here. You know, it's not this isn't easy by any stance just because, you know, we're in the NFL and it's not all, you know, roses like we every day is a challenge. You know, every time you come to practice, it's everybody's good in this league. And so it's like, that's a reality. But when you get to step back in moments like that to say and be a kid again, it's pretty cool. Bryce, appreciate the time here on the podcast and stay safe and keep playing well. Thanks, Bryce. Yes, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. And good luck on the golf course. <laughs> I'll need it. EA, how about Bryce Hall and his wife trash talking on the golf course? I love it. Uh, that's the only way to play golf. You know, I, I'm more of that happy Gilmore style. I still <laughs> haven't figured out the game and I try to control my temper out there in the golf course, but it's awfully challenging. But if I'm playing along somebody who I'm very close with and who would you be closer with than your wife? <laughs> I love the back and forth. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I've just started golf probably about the same time Bryce Hall did in quarantine, like in the summer. I'm not good, but golf is infuriating. And if someone tried to get under my skin, they might catch a club.
So, well, <laughs> let's let's <laughs> preface the statement by saying Bryce Hall and his wife happily married. Well, they're, yes. they're, they're competing. Yes. Ethan Greenberg sounds like he's got some serious temper problems, <laughs> which is actually very much not the case. But <laughs> golf is just, you know, it just pisses me off. And it just really frustrates me. I got to be uh, honest. Like, cause I, I, I know what I want to do and I know what I have to do, but right now I just, I can't do it. Just can't do it. It's a hard game to pick up uh, later on in life. That's what I think. I'm not very good with the wood irons, uh, more competitive, uh, more accurate. Uh, I can't hit a wood to save my life. Yeah. You, you put, you give me a driver. I'll take my five iron out of the tee box all day. Anyway, enough golf talk. Mm. Now, this Las Vegas Raiders team, I mean, you had mentioned some of the, the players on their roster, but the Jets saw this team. It's a pretty similar team, I would say. Obviously, like every year, you add some new players, you see some people go, but more more so than not, it's about the same roster that came to MetLife last year about the same time, and the Jets ran the Raiders out of the building. I think it was 34-3. to And this year, I think you start to think of the the speed that they have on the outside in Henry Ruggs, the first receiver off of the board out of mm. the very talented wide receiver group. I mean, he's the fastest player in this draft class. And then you start to think of someone like Nelson Aguilar, who's been essentially reviving his career so far in Las Vegas. Well, John Gruden is a great play caller and uh, they're building something in Oakland. If you look at, uh, well, they're building something. All right. But it's in Las Vegas. Uh, Eric. I keep on getting tripped up with both the Raiders and the chargers. I always refer to the chargers as San Diego. No, they're the Los Angeles chargers, of course. <laughs> and the Raiders, a uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And Bryce Hall was talking about SoFi stadium. I've heard that new stadium in Las Vegas. It might be the nicest of them all. I can't wait to go out to Vegas at some point and catch a game there and maybe drop by a casino just to browse and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, listen, uh, John Gruden, a uh, fantastic football coach, good offensive play caller. I think the Raiders, a couple weeks ago, they played Kansas City for a second time and back and forth a fair. And you really don't see a lot of teams play the Chiefs like the Raiders have especially this year they beat them in kansas city where Derek carr was dialing long distance i think they had like five plays six plays of 40 plus yards through the air uh dealing with some injuries we'll have to see what happens with josh jacobs because he was an awfully impressive rookie uh last season for them and gruden likes to run the football make no mistake even though this is a west coast offense and bart talked about um, some of these guys defensively who can bring it, but uh, I was shocked what happened to the Raiders last week, mm -hmm. similar to what happened to the Raiders last year when they came to MetLife Stadium. They were six and four, and the Jets hammered them 34 to three. While they're six and four, they go to Atlanta. I don't even know what the final score was, Greens. I think it was like 43 to six. That was That's one, of the, one of the most shocking results in the National Football League this season. Yeah, I, th I thought in that game in particular, the Raiders-Falcons game, that at the very least it would have been competitive. It would not have shocked me if the Falcons had won that game, but the way in which they won that game, it, that did shock me. And last year, 
before we hear from Bart Scott, the Jets did a fantastic job holding Josh Jacobs in check. And that was really where that run defense hit its stride. Remember they held Saquon Barkley to a single yard when they played the Giants and Josh Jacobs didn't have a great game against the Jets. And that the Jets front is predominantly the same, a little different with no Steve McClendon. And on the Raiders side of the ball, that offensive line's played together for a long time. And they're without Richie Incognito for the rest of the year. But it's still that's going to be the matchup to watch, I think, if you're a Jets fan. But obviously, this is why we have Bart Scott on the podcast every week. Welcome to another edition of our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game with Bart Scott. Bart, the Raiders come to town the first time as the Las Vegas Raiders. Who is your player or what is your matchup to watch? I mean, this is going to be tough. I, I want to see Quinn Williams against Rodney Hudson. I want to see him against that deep offensive line, that massive offensive line of the Raiders. You know, you know, no player outside. Well, listen, no player, and, and that's including Makai Becton, is playing better than Quentin Williams. You see the show that he was able to put on the other day. They like to run the ball with Jacobs. It's going to be incompetent that, you know, that he doesn't get cut out his gap and that he's dominant and he's setting the edge from the inside out. You talk about eight tackles, a forced fumble, and a sack. That's a pretty great day for an inside linebacker. You know, it's an awesome day for a defensive lineman to have that many tackles and still have that type of productivity. Bart, what do you think about his emergence here in year two? He's got six sacks. Like you talk about, he's coming from the interior. The guy, the most elite defensive player from the interior position for years has been Aaron Donald. What kind of ceiling does a guy like Quentin Williams have? Because he's been stout against the run, too, and he continues to get after the quarterback. Six sacks, two forced fumbles now, and he's got three PDs as well. Well, let's talk about the the two or three sacks that he missed out on because he maybe went to the to the to the helmet of the quarterback in the Denver game that should have been a, a game ceiling sack. You know, let's think about the couple games that he missed. I mean, the ceiling is high. Remember, everybody you know panicked because he didn't have the productivity in year one. One, he had played nose guard the majority of his career. And he was moving over to the three or the five technique. Now he's starting to learn. He, he had a great offseason. He came in shape. His body looks totally different. And now you can tell when the ball is hiked that he has a plan. He has a plan on how he's going to handle the run and the blocking schemes that he's getting. And just imagine, he's just scratching the surface because in, in the near future, Joe Douglas is going to put somebody on the other side of him that you have to respect as well, that you can't double him, but he's going to get a lot more one-on-ones, especially in a 3-4 type of system. And Quinn Williams, just 22 years old, one of the youngest players in the NFL. EA, what about your matchup to watch? It's going to be the Jets safeties, Marcus May and Ashton Davis against Darren Waller. Waller has 64 receptions for the Raiders this year, a big time target in the red zone. Derek Carr looks to him often. He's got five touchdown receptions and he's the guy who is tough to have an answer for because even when you have a body on him, as Bart knows, is he's six foot six. So his catch radius is out of this world. How are they going to defend this guy? Well, you got to try and hit him at the line and try and put a defensive lineman over him and saying, hey, slow him down before you before he goes. We used to do that with Gronk. You take Jason Taylor, take Calvin Pace, no matter where he is, you 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 hit him first and then it turns into a line stunt. So you put him there, you hit him, and then the, the interior defensive tackle is getting up the field. And then after you hit him, it comes it turns into a, a bit of a you game or a me game, depending on what system that you've been in. But you got to make sure you disrupt the timing. And they're going to be pissed off because they're coming off a disappointing loss and they have playoff aspirations. So they're going to come in and they're going to try not to waste time. But you always worry about a West Coast team coming East Coast. Hope that you can catch them sleepwalking early on and jump on them soon. 
That's you know, the thing, Ethan. That's the thing is uh-huh. the Jets have to take care of the middle of the field defensively. I thought they took a lot of steps forward against the Miami Dolphins with those young cornerbacks, even though Devontae Parker got his numbers. Mike Kosicki got in the end zone. The Jets have to neutralize this guy. You know, both of you went on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like it's only right that I go for the Jets offense here. And Sam Darnold last season against the Raiders had a one of his best games since being drafted in 2018. And this defense is pretty similar. Obviously, last year, the Jets didn't see Jonathan Abram the Raiders rookie, then rookie safety. And now they still got Trayvon Mullen on the outside, the corner from Clemson. Damon Arnett is a new addition there. Jeff Heath, who signed over from the Dallas Cowboys, along with Jason Witten in the offseason. But I think that this is going to be a pretty big opportunity for Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder because they put up numbers last year against the Raiders offense. Bart, what have you thought of this Raiders defense so far in 2020. I mean, you got to love Crosby. You got to love the nastiness of what they play in. And this is a team that Al Davis would be proud of. This team that competes. It's a team that's physical and fast, and they get to the ball. And, um, you know, Gunther, you know, has them playing really well and tough, and they're going to be motivated. And, you know, whenever you can bend the corner, bend the edges, now I think they'll be trying to bend the edge opposite of Makai Becton. I don't think Crosby would be over there trying to get that type of smoke. But, you know, I think it'll be on the other end. You think of uh, Jonathan Hankins in the inside, they're stout against the run. It's going to be a more a formidable uh, opponent, but they're going to have to be up for the challenge because they're going to be playing a motivated team that sees light at the end of the tunnel, sees the opportunity to get into the postseason. And listen, they don't fear the team that everybody fears in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs because they played them twice. So if they get that matchup, they may be the one team that can upset those guys. You know, Bart, the Raiders, just one last point on the Raiders here. Their offense, EA mentioned Darren Waller. Henry Ruggs hasn't really been super effective for them. Obviously, he stretches the field. But what does it say about that offense where Darren Waller is the primary target? And what do you make of the receivers that the Raiders have? I mean, they're built in the likeness of the Kansas City Chiefs. You think about Waller, he's a guy that can get open. He's a guy that's a receiver playing a tight end position, but he's still stout enough and strong enough to, to be you know, really effective in a running game. And, you know, Ruggs is a guy that can stretch the field. You say he hasn't been effective, but he had a, a long touchdown catch against the uh, Falcons, you know, yesterday. So, you know, Nelson Aguilar has been a guy who always – you know, had inconsistent hands, but you just hope that you're not on the part you know, where he decides to catch him or he has extra stick him on the gloves. So he is still a guy that's more than capable of getting behind the defense. And it's just going to have to be wary of double moves and car. And to me, no matter what anybody says, is a is an elite quarterback. All right. Well, there you have it. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game segment with Bart Scott. And that's another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. <laughs>